everyone. This is Braden and Tally. Welcome back to the voice of my beloved podcast. Uh, we, are, we are working through the Song of Songs here. We are in chapter four. What is this the middle about? End of chapter four will be the end middle. Of, end of chapter four. Okay, so we're getting there. We're getting to the middle here. It's, it's such a great topic to be talking about right now. Uh, we have the, the feasts coming up. And these feasts are all kind of, there's hints of wedding and bride and groom and all of that and all of the feasts coming up. And, uh, and the next one coming up here is Rosh Hashanah. It's just in a couple of days. Feast here. of Trumpets. Yeah, the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. And, the, and the, the Feast of Trumpets always reminds me of, you know, the passages where um, it talks about the return of Messiah, that uh, he's going to come at the sound of the shofar. And so uh, that's what the Feast of Trumpets is about. It's about sounding the shofar, uh, looking uh, for the, the set-apart time for that new moon. Uh, and so it's, it's coming up right, right here. We're, we're coming upon it in the next couple of days. So it's, uh, it's really in, an exciting time. And, uh, and then we're looking forward to Sukkot, which is just a couple weeks away now. So these things are, it's, it's always so amazing how these, they just, all of a sudden they're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, we're here at the fall feasts already. So uh, it's an exciting time, an exciting time to be talking about this theme of the bride and the bridegroom. And uh, this here part that we're going to be talking about is, um, it's a, a beautiful praise. It's the, the bridegroom just really uh, just gloating over the the bride <laughs> and uh, and it's uh, yeah it's just something it's so beautiful so we're going to be looking here at chapter four and um, we're going to be looking into the like the symbolism of this and so uh, you know it's it's really neat because you know we've always we've sung this part we have this part put to music and stuff before and it's it's really beautiful I you know at first I think looking at this kinds of this part of the 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 song is a little strange for us because we're, you know, it's the bride, the bridegroom talking to the bride and like comparing her to like goats and sheep and, and towers. And, and that's a very strange language for today. <laughs> but, um, but it was neat because after we put it to song, it's become very beautiful. Even just hearing just this praise, you know, it's just a very beautiful song. But then now to dig in deeper and actually see the, like the symbolism behind it is makes it even uh, deeper and richer and really speaks to us as, as the body of Messiah, um, just what we can grab a hold of here. So, yes. So yeah, just, I want to just revisit. Why are we setting this? Why are we even highlighting the song of songs? And for me, I just believe it's something even from years back, it's just been strengthening from a relational aspect, from a relational perspective, to grow in what it means, kind of unpacking the love of God, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of we hear about the love of God. You know, Jesus loves me. This I know, and just kind of on a simple level, we understand it. But then the Song of Songs really kind of unpacks it and goes deeper into what that means. You know, and gives some color to it, and gives some some uh, actual substance to it. I feel like mm-hmm. so you know, setting the Song of Songs for one just helps us to understand the love of God in a deeper way. And so that's number one reason why I believe it's important. And as our hearts are fueled, knowing God's love for us, then we're able to walk out the first commandment in a deeper way mm-hmm. and also to walk out the second commandment in a deeper way. Yeah. And so just uh, going deeper and allowing the, the language of this to get into our hearts is really important, I believe, to 
go forward, you know, just to have that forward vision of, of God, I want to be wholeheartedly in love with you. This is my life goal. You know, if I, if there's one thing I accomplish in life, that's loving you with all my heart, then that will be a success. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't matter how much money I have, how many, you know, how many nice cars I have, but as long as I've made loving God, my first priority, mm-hmm. then that's the definition of success. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I believe that the number one reason to study the song of songs is to grow in the first commandment, to know his love for us and then for us to love him back as we understand his love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, I think it's really neat seeing what the bridegroom loves about the bride. And, and I think like, even as I think of like our relationship, um, Braden and I's relationship, how he will, notice like little sparks of things that I do and he'll compliment me on those things. And then I, I notice that because I love him and I, I like being complimented by him. And then I'm like, Oh, he really likes that. So it makes me want to grow that part of my, you know, of the way that I'm relating to him or whatever it is that he complimented me on. It makes me want to grow in that area. Like, Oh, he really likes that. That's something that's going to make him happy. So I want to invest more in that. And so, um, so I see that too in this song here is that we're seeing what the bridegroom notices, like what he, what excites him and what, uh, what really stirs up his heart in love. And so I think that that's like a really neat, uh, a really neat piece because then we can see it and go, oh, that's something that he's looking for in a bride. So I want to really invest more in that part of my relationship. And the beautiful thing is he's saying it not in a reprimanding way, like, you know, you could get a lot better in this thing or something. He's saying it in encouragement and he's like speaking it over her, which I think is, is the main thing that we want to pick up from this, you know, not the voice of, um, you know, you, you're not measuring up, but the opposite of like, I see this in you and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to call that out and I'm going to speak that over you. Right. And that's one of the lessons of the song of songs because in the first chapter we see, you know, he's lavishing his love on mm-hmm. her. Right. But she's not perfected yet. She, yeah. you know, she hasn't reached maturity. So that's the encouraging message of the song of songs is God's love for us, even in our maturity process, yeah. right? That he mm-hmm. has grace, he has favor. He's saying, you know, he's calling forth virtue. You mm-hmm. know, it's not that it's totally mature yet, but he's calling it forth. And that gives us hope. I believe that, you know, we're going to reach that goal, you know, of being fully in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. And also just to say that, you know, we're going to be going through like symbolism stuff here. And so, you know, this is not, um, thus says, you know, that this is exactly what this means or whatever. This is like our, you know, looking at it, Braden's done a lot of, you know, reading about it. Um, and so we'd love to hear your thoughts too, and hear like what you're hearing, uh, as you like, look at these verses and stuff too. So, you know, if you want to shoot us a, um, an email or something just to let us know, you know, what, what God is kind of revealing to you as you hear it, we would love to hear, hear from you. So, uh, if you want to email at us, email us at, uh, braden.waller, um, at gmail.com. Uh, and then you can, you know, just let us know what you, what you're thinking and leave us a comment. Yeah. So chapter four, verse one, behold, you are beautiful. My love, behold, you are beautiful. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. So like Tally said, <laughs> no, Gilad, that, yeah, the baby's name. Yeah. So, but wow. Have, have you ever had anybody say, whoa, your hair just looks like a flock of goats, Tally. That's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, different, different culture, 
evidently. Different right? culture, yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I have heard it a lot because you've actually sung this to me before. It's true. <laughs> You're kind of used to it. And right? it, is, it is very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so he opens up his mouth for the first time since chapter two when he had called her. If you've been following the series back in chapter two, he called the bride to arise and to come with him on the mountains. Mm-hmm. And he's not actually spoken directly to her until this moment right now. He's, he said to some things, you know, he said, don't awaken love until it's time. He wasn't speaking directly to her then. Mm-hmm. But now is the first time he's opened his mouth. She's gone through this season of, uh, she, you know, after he called her to arise, she didn't arise, mm-hmm. but then she decided to arise, right? And now he's responding to her with this lavish praise. Saying, wow, you are beautiful. You know, you you struggled with that place of not wanting to, but then you did it. And so, wow, you're beautiful. Behold, you know, whenever the scripture says behold, it's this exclamation point basically saying, wow, look at this. You are so beautiful. And uh, this for us, you know, just to know when we respond in obedience to God, he looks at us with eyes of just such um admiration and, mm-hmm. and, and love, you know, when we, when we take that step of obedience toward him, mm-hmm. he is so, uh, overcome with mm-hmm. emotion. And so that, that's just an amazing thing to think of an emotional God, even right. Mm-hmm. You know, the Greeks and the Romans, they had stoic gods, like they were just unfeeling, but our God is an emotional God. Mm-hmm. He, he feels, uh, you know, he, he is, he responds to our mm-hmm. praise. He responds to our obedience to him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he sees this as beautiful. And, and so the question is, why is she beautiful? Uh, we could see it in two, two ways. You know, one, the bridegroom has clothed her with his righteousness. And so this is a beautiful thing that she actually is clothed with his righteousness. He, she wears his beauty. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Moses even prayed, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moses, he understood that God was beautiful and he wanted that beauty, that, that glory to be upon him and upon the people of God. Mm-hmm. And this is a great witness also, right? When that glory and that beauty shines through us, that's a powerful witness to the world around us. Mm-hmm. So uh, she has that, uh, that, just that imparted beauty of God. And then also we see in Revelation, she's clothed in fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the saints. So, so her actual, you know, her works, her righteousness is beautiful. You know, she's responded in obedience and that's a beautiful thing to God. Mm-hmm. And I believe as we understand that God sees us in that way, then it calls us forth in relationship. It calls us forth in spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. You know, if we feel ugly to God, then Mm -hmm. we won't want to spend time in prayer. Mm -hmm. Now there'll there'll be no desire in us, but if we come to, if if we're walking in obedience and we come to God, God, you know, we, we repent for any past failures. We come to him, we receive his righteousness. We want to walk in obedience. Then he sees that so beautiful. Oh, wow. You're beautiful. You're so beautiful to me. A beautiful heart is Mm -hmm. is the way I like to understand it. Cause you know, Male, female, a beautiful heart is a good thing, right? You know, right. <laughs> being beautiful physically is not something that guys super relate to, right? But a beautiful heart is what we want before God. Mm-hmm. And God's he's speaking to the bride's heart. Oh, you're beautiful. You're so, the, that heart of obedience you have is so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the, you know, in Psalm 29, where it talks about the uh, the beauty of holiness. And I think that, you know, when, when, he, when God is saying beauty, that there's this connection with this beauty of holiness, you know, which, which is what we see in revelation, you know, when the, the bride, she's clothed in righteousness, you know? And so I just think of that as like this, this beauty of holiness. And like, you know, like you said, Braden, it's something that 
you know, we're only able to walk in because Yeshua went before us, you know, but we still have to choose to, to walk in that, you know, to, to accept that, to, to choose the path of holiness. And so, uh, just seeing like just how beautiful he thinks it is, it makes you want to, to, um, to really, uh, invest in that more, you know, to invest in, in, uh, just walking in a way and on the highway of holiness on, in like a, a, a more holy place before him, you know? Yeah. I think even looking at creation, we see the beauty of God and we, it calls us forth, you know, like Romans talks about, he says, you know, mm-hmm. it, God's manifest in creation, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you can look around and see, and so that originated that beauty, the beauty of holiness, the beauty of God it, his beauty is manifest in the world around us and it calls us forth. It calls right. us forth. Wow, God is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all originated with him. Right, right? right. So, yeah, he is worthy of, of praise and worship uh, just for you know who he is, mm-hmm. the beauty of who he is. Next passage, you have dove's eyes behind your veil. So uh, he's praising her ability to see, right? Eyes speak of seeing. So she has revelation of God. She, she sees clearly the bride is going to see clearly the beauty and majesty of God. The world around her is going, you know, what's so significant? You know, why, why are you, it looks like the world, like she's wasting her life, right? In pursuit of the bridegroom, but she sees something that they don't see. She sees the majesty of God. And so she has dove's eyes. As we mentioned before, dove's eyes are this no peripheral vision, right? You're just seeing straight forward. You, you're seeing right in front of you. There's nothing that's distracting you around. Mm-hmm. And so she has revelation. I, I love Ephesians 117. It says, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be upon you. And so this is something the bride has. She has revelation. She's not just walking in a dead religion. She's walking in revelation of who God is. Mm-hmm. And I, it says here too, that she's behind the veil. So she's got these dove's eyes behind her veil. So it speaks of this modesty that she has, right? She's not gloating over her revelations, right? She's humility. Yeah. Right? Humility <laughs> in revelation, right? She's, she's uh, she has dove's eyes behind her veil. Mm-hmm. Isaiah seventeen seven it says, In that day a man will look to his maker and his eyes will have respect for the Holy One of Israel. So speaking of a day when people will look to God, there'll be this desire just to behold God, to behold his glory and majesty. Mm-hmm. Yeshua also speaks about the eye. He says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. So this is one of the first things that the bridegroom speaks of when he opens up with his praise, right? You have dove's eyes behind your veil. It's the first thing that he really highlights about her is her eyes. And so here Yeshua, he's pointing out the significance. Wow, wow if, light, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So the bride, she will have a good eye, right? Which actually means a generous eye. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look back, uh, a good eye is a generous eye. A bad eye is a stingy eye. Right. Right? So the bride is, is very generous in her heart toward the bridegroom. She just wants to love him, wants to uh, just make him happy. Then mm-hmm. we see that in Proverbs 31 as well, that the uh, the wife is very generous. That's one of her, her high qualities too. Right. She's giving. She's always giving. Right. Next part, it says, your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. So in scripture, we see hair as being symbolic of dedication. The Nazarites could not cut their hair, right? They had to, when they made the Nazarite vow, they were not allowed to cut their hair at all. And so this speaks of, uh, the Nazarite was dedicating himself wholeheartedly to God. And so when 
the bridegroom here praises the bride for her hair. There's a symbolism here of her dedication. She's dedicated to the bridegroom. Hair also is spoken of as a glory. In 1 Corinthians 11, it speaks of the hair of the woman being her glory. And so also uh, he's speaking of the glory of the bride. Wow, your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. I remember we were in a uh, mountaintop settlement over in Israel one time, and, she, and one of the ladies, one of the shepherdesses there was talking about seeing a, a flock of goats coming down the mountain and how beautiful it was. It was like, it, it had this, uh, this feel like it was moving, you know, it was like just, you know, really beautiful, like flowing in the oh, wind, flock. right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was, it was a beautiful thing. She's like, oh, wow, you know, it, it is a beautiful thing to see a flock of goats coming down, down the, the mountain. mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the mountains of Gilead were also very rich. They were rich with pastures. So these, these goats that it's referring to were, were flocks that were well-fed. They were well-fed. They were full of glory, you could say. And, uh, and, and so that there's a, a real beautiful thing, the, the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's also in the Psalms, isn't it, or maybe in the Proverbs, where it's talking about um, that the glory of an older person is their gray head as well. Right. So there's that uh-huh. that connection to to the glory. Right. Of being connected to the hair. Yeah, yeah. So these goats are well fed and they're glorious, and so the bride she's well fed also on the mountains of Gilead. She's she's well fed on the word of God, and she's glorious. Mm-hmm. Verse two, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from the washing, every one of which bears twins and none is barren among them. So we'll break this down. Your teeth, uh, teeth are needed to process food, right? Babies don't have teeth. Uh, Tally's been nursing our new baby here. He, he can't <laughs> chew any food, right? He can only drink milk. First uh, Corinthians three, one says, and I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you're not able to receive it. So here, Paul, he's speaking to the Corinthians. Hey, you're still babes. You're, you can't actually process solid food, but the bride here, she's reached a point where she has teeth, right? She's got teeth like a flock of shorn sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's able to, to digest the word. She's able to chew it, to meditate on it, to digest the word. And it's like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from the washing uh, when you think of uh, sheep, well, the, the, the only similarity that you know you really think of with the, between sheep and teeth are that they're white. I mean, right. I don't know the whole lot of other similarities, but <laughs> but in this in this picture here, the flock of shorn sheep, it's it's saying that they're shorn, right? Basically, so that the teeth are not uh, hindered from chewing, right? If you had teeth with a bunch of wool on them, that would be hard to, <laughs> to chew, right? So uh, the teeth are like shorn sheep; they're they're clean, you could say, uh, which have come up from the washing. These, uh, these teeth are, they're being washed with the word, you know, they're, they're eating the word, they're getting washed and, um, yeah, the excess is taken away, right? Mm-hmm. Shorn sheep. It, it's actually, if you read about shearing, shearing is a necessary thing to keep he, uh, sheep healthy. If they're not sheared, they can get overheated. Mm-hmm. And so the bride here has had things taken away, right? She's had, uh, areas, excess areas in her life's uh, life taken away from her. And this is healthy for her. It's kind of like pruning, you know, pruning the grapes. It's a healthy thing. It, it can be a little painful, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's healthy for the plant. Mm-hmm. So the same way for sheep. And so these teeth are like shorn sheep and that they've had the excess taken away. They're, they're able to process and meditate on the word in a very efficient way, in a mm-hmm. very uh, healthy way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it. It says they come up from the washing, right? When we read the word, we come up from there. Right? We come, we're coming up from getting washed in the word. And so this is the bride. She's getting washed in the word 
and uh, it's lifting her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also, uh, you know, obviously you always, you can think of the, uh, the literal meaning here. I mean, you've got twins. That means that, you know, your teeth come in sets. True. <laughs> yeah. so, so they all have twins. They all have their pair. Right. right? <laughs> and, uh, and they're not barren. Like there's no missing ones, you know, so you're looking, you know, this, this, this girl, I'm sure, I mean, in today's day, it's nice to have all your teeth, but back then I'm sure it was even a, a bigger deal. Maybe you know? more of a rarity. Yeah. Like this person <laughs> has nice, clean teeth that are all there you know <laughs> and so yeah this is this is good we should talk about this with our children you know we're trying to get them to to take care of their teeth right <laughs> but i'm just thinking of the like the how much tending that takes you know like you have to really take care of your teeth and care you know it's it's something that through your life it's going to show you know how well you've done in this area <laughs> yeah you can't hide your teeth very well yeah not that um you know, I, I like the spiritual symbolism of this passage better because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we, we haven't figured out exactly how to work with teeth yet. But, um, but yeah, it's just like that, that whole spiritual picture of that, that the digesting the word has been something that she's been faithful in, you know, right. that it's something that she's taken care of. It's something that like, it's, it shows like a journey of, of faithfulness in this, you know, cause there's, there's nothing missing and they've been taken care of, you know, the, right. so yeah. Yeah. And there's fruitfulness, I think pictured here as well. There's none barren among them, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's this picture of fruitfulness in the word she's multiplying. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, Yeshua talks about that even with the, you know, we look at the parable of the seed, seed, sower and the seeds, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's saying, you know, the, the word is going to, bear fruit right, right? if right. It, if it's allowed to grow it's going to it's going to bear fruit it's not being choked out mm-hmm. so here the bride she's going to bear fruit from being in the word she's going to multiply mm-hmm. verse three your lips are like a strand of scarlet so this is a neat one because we look back in the scripture at the strand of scarlet and it's a picture of redemption we have rahab right that she ties the scarlet cord in the window to indicate that this is where she lives, right? So that when Jericho is destroyed, that they'll know, you know, this is where she's at and they can, they can uh, save her. Mm-hmm. So we see this uh, as identifying her as, as uh, being connected to redemption. So her lips are like a strand of scarlet. It speaks of her mouth, speaking of redemption, speaking of the hope uh, that she has of, of the salvation that she has. Mm-hmm. So her, her lips are touched by this. We see Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Mm-hmm. And this is the bride. She's going to speak of hope, speak of redemption. And yeah. uh, this is going to impart grace to those that hear it. Yeah, and I'm also thinking of Proverbs 31 again, the law right. of kindness is in her mouth. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same author. Solomon wrote Proverbs and Song of Songs. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that this is a good encouragement for us that we will, will have these lips like a strand of scarlet, that we will speak hope to those around us. Mm-hmm. And then he says, your mouth is lovely. This is typical in Hebrew poetry, you know, to say something one way and then kind of say it a, a different way. This is kind of building, you know, the lips and the mouth are, are you know, pretty close there. But the, the mouth actually goes back to the first part of the song, which is let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, right? Her mouth was craving the kisses of the bridegroom, right? She's desiring closeness, desiring intimacy. And so he, he now says, Oh, your mouth is lovely. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that desire that she has for his kisses, for his closeness, he's now saying, that's so lovely. I love your mouth too, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you have, your mouth is lovely. Uh, I desire that, that, uh, what, what you, what you want to give me is what I desire. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, moving on your temples or cheeks behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate here. Uh, it can either be temples or cheeks, uh, the spoken of here and the cheeks, if we go with the cheeks, it's, that speaks of our emotions. You know, you can tell whether someone's happy or angry or sad by looking at their cheeks. It's kind of a, a mo- emotion, uh, thermometer, you could say. Mm-hmm. And so he's telling, he's telling her, your emotions are beautiful. Your, your cheeks behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. And here again, we see behind the veil, her emotions, there's a modesty, there's a discretion with her emotions. She's not just why, uh, you know, uh, she's not without self-control right, right, in her emotions. Uh, she's, it's her emotions behind the veil. And so uh, it's like a piece of pomegranate. You know, it's, uh, if you've ever seen a piece, it's, it's interesting, it, it indicates a piece of pomegranate, not just a pomegranate, because mm-hmm. it's, it's indicating it's opened up, right? Her emotions, she's not, a, she's not bound up. Her emotions are not bound up, but it's opened up. Mm-hmm. Her emotions are open to God. She has no walls, basically, mm-hmm. uh, up toward God. Her cheeks are like a piece of pomegranate, mm-hmm. and so it's open. It's it's and it also speaks of the red. You know, like that. There's there's a red. There's a vibrance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not uh, dead, dying. She's there's a vibrance to her emotions, and she right. she feels uh, strong and able to communicate in a way that's that's healthy and and strong. Yeah, I think of I think of a girl blushing. You know, which also shows that you know when it's talking about behind your veil, it's, it does show that kind of that humility and modesty as well too, that she's being praised and she's blushing, you know, it's like, it's like this, this humility of like, Oh wow. You know, yeah. (laughs) As opposed to, you know, you look in the prophet sometimes they don't even know how to blush. Right. Right. They're they're committing wickedness. They don't even know how to blush. So it's, it's speaking of emotions. They're not hardened to sin. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's an emotion that's soft and supple before God. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we're moving on to verse four. It says, your neck is like the Tower of David built for an armory on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. So we look at the neck in the scripture. It's speaking of the will. This is a, a point where like, you know, your, your neck turns your head, right? The direction you're going, it's your will. You know, what direction you're going is determined by your neck. Mm-hmm. And so we also see this in different battles in the scripture. We see Joshua, he had his captains put their feet on the necks of the enemy to show dominance, basically that, that they had, you know, conquered him. And, uh, so we see that, you know, picture of the, the, uh, the neck also being like this, like a submission of the will, right? Uh-huh. You know, there's this submitting of the will. Uh, so yeah, so then it goes on. Your neck is like the tower of David. And so the tower, a tower is, you know, strong upright, right? So her will is in this picture, her will is upright. It's, there's no, um, crookedness in it, right? Her, her mm-hmm. will, she has a, an upright will mm-hmm. to serve God built for an armory and an armory. I love this picture, you know, this, this, this warrior, it's, it's a warrior bride really, you know, that he's speaking mm-hmm. to. She's one that's, that's willing to fight for purity, to mm-hmm. fight for wholeheartedness. And so the armory is where you store up ammunition, right? So her will, that place of the neck, she's got a will that's like an armory. It's, it's this place of uh, willing to, fight back against the temptations of the enemy 
with even engaging her will. You know, it's, mm-hmm. she's not saying, oh, well, you know, the devil made me do it. You know, right. it's not this thing of, of just, you know, a cop out of saying, of giving, making excuses for failures, but her neck is like the tower of David built for an armory. And so when the enemy comes against her, she, she keeps her neck, she keeps her head straight forward. She resists the enemy. She submits holds, to God. Yes. Submits to God. <laughs> submits yeah. To his will. Yeah. Which even goes on and talks about the, one of the weapons that's in the armory is these bucklers, these shields, right? On which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. And we think of the, the shield of faith, right? Ephesians six sixteen. above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So here she is. She's pictured as holding up these, these bucklers, these shields. And this is, this is an act of the will, right? She, she's engaging her will in this fight for, uh, mm-hmm. for righteousness, for purity. Mm-hmm. And so how important that is, you know, not just to um, have a weak will, but have a will that's empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an overcomer. And this is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we can't lean, we can't lean on our own understanding, you know, lean on our own strength, but it's submitting our will to God, right? Uh, mm-hmm. that's where we find victory, but it, it is engaging in the process, right? It's not right. just being like this limp rag doll. Like, you right. know, I just can't, can't do anything. There's I don't know. Strengthen it. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. there's the bride will have a determination, a tenacity that her neck will be a strong, you know, like the tower of David, just strong. She's, she's set yeah. to follow after God. Yeah. You know, you also think of, cause uh, wives are, are, you know, commanded to submit to their, their husbands as well. And, you know, I think a lot of people when they hear the word submission, think of like doormat or something like she just gets walked over. She is nothing. But I think the picture or what God is speaking of there is that a woman that submitted that is partnered with her husband and, and the husband has to have this vision as well, you know, but this is, this is God's view on it is like a woman who's submitted. She's like a tower. She's like, she's like the weapon. She's the, the secret, you know, (laughs) the the secret weapon of the husband, you know? And so I see that here is that, you know, that's what Yeshua is looking at. She's like, this isn't some doormat that, you know, this is, this is my like mighty, the mighty men. Like she's got the strength of the mighty men in her because she's submitted and she's, you know, and she's walking with me and there's, there's strength in that. And so I really love that picture. Yeah. When I think about some of the most powerful women that I know, they're women that had this characteristic of like, yeah, their, their neck is like the tower of David, right? They're submitted to God (laughs) and they're submitted to his way, right? Uh They're submitted to his his purpose for their life. And that's such a powerful place to be. And I look at that and go, wow, that's a threat to the enemy. Right. <laughs> when I see people out there just kind of freewheeling it and like doing their own thing. And I was like, uh-huh. I don't, I don't know that they're really much of a threat, right? Right, right. you know, uh, yeah. but wow, you're a threat to the powers of darkness because it's really combating his whole thing of wanting to do his own thing. Right. right. You know, the, the enemy's whole deal was I'm getting out of here because I don't like submitting to God. Right. Right. right? So when we, you know, all of us submit ourselves to God and when we become, when we're part of this bride, wow, there's power in that. And the enemy trembles. He's like, Oh man, they're operating a different spirit than I walked in. And that's, what's really going to end up dethroning me. Right. right. I just, you know, there's a power in this. And so the bride is, is a warrior bride. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's going to be, that paints that word in a really nice picture, you know, like the, the word submission can, you know, it's, it makes it look really, it's like, 
Yeah, someone who submitted. She's like strong, and she's right. the Tower of David with yeah. weapons. You know, <laughs> like it's right. you know, your your husband needs that. You know, right. <laughs> so right. it's a it's a good thing. Yes. So pray you're encouraged by this, and that you grow in these attributes that's spoken of here. That you would continue to be led forth and be, and we're all, you know, we're being made ready for the coming marriage supper of the Lamb. Yes. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. Yeshua, my bridegroom.